Season three, ladies and gentlemen, of Chewing the Gristle is upon us. We've got a bunch of great guests lined up. We're going to let the good times roll. Are you ready to pound the gristle? We ride. Brought to you by our good friends at Wildwood Guitars in beautiful Louisville, Colorado, and Fishman Transducers of beautiful Andover, Massachusetts. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, another exciting rendition of Chewing the Gristle is at hand. This week, the mighty Justin Derrico. You've seen him on stage with Pink for years. House guitarist on the TV show The Voice for many, many years. An incendiary guitar player and a hell of a nice fella. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, Justin Derrico on Chewing the Gristle. have liftoff we have indeed ladies and gentlemen doggone it it's time again for another festive rendition of chewing the gristle with yours truly gregory cockery <laughs> here with a less pulverizer of the highest order justin derrico you've seen him with pink you've seen him on the voice you've seen him doing his own thing and now here he is with us live and in the flesh justin how the hell are you I'm great, Greg. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome. A pleasure, sir. Yeah. What have you been up? What have you been up to? Last time I, uh, we, you know, you were out in Boston with our fishman friends doing some rocking out there. Yeah, man. I did a. I don't know what they're called. I think it's like a, a master session class sort of sort of dealio with the uh, the fluence pickups, which yes! are freaking amazing. I'm glad um, you dig them. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, man, I, I've been—I've actually been off for like the last few months, so I've kind of been doing a whole lot of nothing, which has been awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, well, good for you. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've—I actually I've been um, a juror on on the American Song Contest, which is amazing because they basically just um, pay me for my terrible opinions and uh, <laughs> and to check my email <laughs> essentially I thought um, you were going to tell me you were actually a juror because i've i've had to be on jury duty which i'm sure you've you've had to do that as well but i'm glad to hear that it wasn't that on this yeah. particular occasion <laughs> now i'm going to start getting letters in the mail <laughs> that's right <laughs> um yeah man so i've just been kind of chilling i've been um doing some stuff for JTC. I just, I just wrapped up a couple of master classes that are coming out soon and cool. Um, yeah, man, just in practicing, trying to get better, man. That's it. Well, that's, that never ends, which is yeah. a good thing. Cause you never get bored. Am I yeah, right? Absolutely, man. I get mostly just get frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, you know, what, to me, it's so weird about guitar playing is that there's stuff that, you know, when you're younger or whatever you you're exposed to and you think, yeah, that's cool. But for whatever reason, you don't you don't do the deep dive. You know what I mean? You're like, yeah. And it be it could be someone you really dig too. But it's just like right. you, you choose this and this to kind of glean from them, and then you do your own thing. And then like years later, you circle back, just going, "Well, what's all this shit?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's funny. It's funny you said because I was just doing that same that very thing. Like, because I, you know, obviously, you know, Jimi Hendrix is you know one of my favorites, and right. You know, Every guitar player, but um, Band of Gypsies was one of my favorite records ever. Yes, you're speaking, um, you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I went to, and and I was just kind of like, you know, I, I I I've always sort of faked my way through through those songs and jam sessions, or but I was like, man, I want to learn some of this. You know, what, what's he doing? And and uh, so I started transcribing. You know, just a couple of licks here and there, not the whole thing, but you know, something poked out. I was like, what the what is that? That's just you know, right. and it's like you said, like the deep, the deep dive. It's like you sort of, when you're younger, you just sort of shovel it off to the side, and then it's like, holy shit! It's 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 even more insane than I thought it was. You know? Oh, absolutely! I, I hear you. <laughs> but you know, Jimmy's a, Jimmy's an excellent example. I mean, I've always been a a rabid Hendrix fan. That's like the main reason why I wanted to play guitar. And uh, but it's interesting to your point. I mean, there's a lot of tunes that you would hear and kind of fake at jams or, you know, kind of call on the, on the bandstand. Hey, let's try this. And you know it, and you, you kind of do it off, you know, the top of your head. And, uh -huh. and then I did actually did a um, kind of a right around um, uh, Thanksgiving this year, this club that's local, I decided I would do an all Hendrix show and I was not going to do like a verbatim, 
<coughs> excuse me, thing. I wanted to do, you know, kind of my verge interpretation. Will. Yeah. But in doing so, I kind of got under the hood of some tunes I had never really played. And you just realize there's just <coughs> so much stuff the, the guy had going from a songwriting point of view, from yeah. his cool, of course, Melody. soloing, but yeah. his melodic sense and his yeah. chording and his comping. And he was, you know, he was just a super freak. I mean, one yeah. of, one of the rare examples of where the, the talent actually exceeds the hype. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely. And the crazy thing is, I mean, he was what, 27 when he died. I mean, he yep. put out a lot of music for a 27 year old dude. I mean, it's, yeah. it's kind of insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, same for me. Like, you know, he was one of the reasons I started playing. So, you know, I, I heard Voodoo Child. I was like, what the fuck is that, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I didn't know what the hell a wah pedal was. <laughs> and now I can't take my damn foot off the damn thing. <laughs> Wawas. Wawas are powerful. But, you know, Hendrix and <clears throat> like Cream Era Clapton, I mean, those those guys, the first purveyors of Wadham. Uh, <laughs> there was something about, you know, a wah in front of those old marshals that just, it was so much more um, effective or yeah, expressive, um, nuanced. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. 100%. And uh, yeah, so it's it's always interesting to listen back to that stuff. and like, how did Jimmy have so much control over that damn wall? But, but Clapton too. I mean, the, yeah. the Cream stuff, I mean, he was Johnny on the spot. But I always look at, uh, uh, you know, kind of that wah solo in, um, you know, in the Temptations tune. Papa was a Rolling Stone. That guy had extreme control <laughs> yeah. over the damn wah. My buddy Carl Burnett was in town, and he's he's playing the Traveling Temptations show. It's kind of a Broadway review, and he's playing in the band. I go, do you get to play that song? He's like, that's like the best part of the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> I wait all night for that. <laughs> exactly. I live for it. <laughs> Yeah, and oh, then I man. started getting into the uh, the slide wah of uh, of Earl Hooker back in the day, and, and unbeknownst to me, apparently, you know, Hendrix referred to Earl Hooker as kind of the master of the wah. You know what I wow. mean? And yeah, it's uh, it's just kind of those little things that kind of fly in and fly out. Like what? Well, who who did I miss? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So uh, kind of fun. So the, the search never ends. And what's what's so great about you know, there's all kinds of kind of conflicting views as to what the internet in terms of uh, YouTube and whatnot else has yeah. done. And of course, streaming of music as opposed to buying hard copies, all that kind of stuff has what it's done to music in general. But I got to say, I, I love doing the deep dive on YouTube and, you know, Absolutely, all of a sudden man. finding these people you never heard of before that were yeah. contemporaries of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then you're going off on a deep dive elsewhere. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing. Like the amount of, of, you know, content that's out there like you know what you can pull from it i wish you know that stuff was you know i'm sure like you like it was more uh readily available when you know when i was younger it's just starting out playing uh but i get to enjoy it now and it's and i think it may be easier for me to actually grab stuff because my ears are better and my my you know my, my knowledge is better so you know exactly um but it's amazing. I mean, there's so many freaking ridiculous musicians <laughs> out right. there. It's, it's insane, but I love it, you know? But uh, but I think to your point about the, you know, for, for us who have been playing for a while, uh -huh. it's it's like this treasure trove. But I would imagine to someone just starting out or it's like overwhelming. There's just well, so yeah. much stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um it's it's funny and it, you know it's like you're saying like the rabbit hole of that stuff it's it's just like um i mean i could sit there and spend i don't know four or five hours just going you know wait what's this like you start on one thing you know researching like you know one style of music and then you end up on a whole different you know it's like i'm playing like flamenco stuff and then oh wait hold on wait here's some badass bluegrass stuff and it's just right you know it's the same it never ends. You know, the other day I was, you know, I go for my walks every day and that's kind of my opportunity to, uh, you know, do the deep dive on YouTube, finding various different things to listen to. And um, I, I have uh, in my wife's car, occasionally I'll take the Subaru and I have a, <laughs> I, I have a CD that's, that's in that car. She always <laughs> listens to the radio, so she's never using the CD player. And so when I'm in that car, I, I was like, I don't want to listen to the radio, so I'll, I'll put on the, the CD player. And it's the same CD I've been listening there for probably the last several years. Right. Which is a record I bought when I was like in eighth grade or senior in high school or, or, a, or freshman in high school. And it's the Eric Clapton Just One Night record with, with Albert Lee. That's how I found oh, out about sick. Albert Lee. Yeah. And, uh, and Clapton's tone on there, it's like, it's like this 
clean strat. He's always in the two position, never gets yep. out of the two position. Yep. And uh, it's got a little bit of slapback. Almost sounds like there's some kind of a phaser on there or something. It's real subtle, but he only really used that tone for like that tour, it seems. Right. Right. Yeah, and and I really like that. And I and I can't help but think it's it was on the t- it was on the tail of uh, you know Dire Straits had just come out mm-hmm. and that sound of that clean strat, especially like that the was, two was, position was happening. It was yeah. what was happening. So uh, I was listening to that and I was just enjoying it so much. And then of course you know Albert Lee does his amazing solos, and I thought, wow, I wonder if there's any other like bootlegs or recordings from that era. And lo and behold, I go online. <laughs> And uh, so that was recorded in Japan. So there was this, there was a whole nother couple of shows uh-huh. where the stuff was from that era, but you got the whole concert. So they would do a, ver- they would let Albert do a version of uh, Country Boy, which of course he, he yeah. just annihilates. Destroys, on. yeah. And, um, and, and, but it was so fascinating to hear that. And, and because, you know, Clapton had just changed bands and, you know, just hearing that, I, I love listening to all these different bootlegs of stuff because you get inside of, you know, when was the best era uh, or the stuff that I grabbed, like the Hendrix, for instance, yeah. you know, I go and I do the deep dive and all these people have now uploaded all of these Hendrix um, bootlegs. And I've determined that early 1969, when it, the last tour he did of Europe, it's like uh-huh. the experience was at the apex. Hendrix was absolutely at the peak of his powers. Yeah. And and after that, it's like in 1970, it was hit or miss, man. You never knew yeah. what was going to happen. He, either he was out of it or Mitch was out of it, whatever right. the case may be. But early 1969, old Jim, man, good yeah. God almighty. Yeah, I mean, I think that's when they did the um, that Fillmore recording. I think it was like a New Year's show. And there's actually like, there's actually, I think there's two, they did two nights, I think. I think, th- I think they might have done th- or three nights? Two nights. Well, there was like four shows. Right. And uh, yeah, it's that stuff is insane. Yeah, it's insane. I mean, yeah, you know, and I love obviously like the the like not to um, belittle the the experience because I love all that stuff. But for some reason, like that that live record to me, I, I think it was like the some of the best live recordings of Jimmy. You know that no exists. Doubt. You no know? doubt. I mean, the rhythm section definitely was. It was way groovier. You know what was, I mean? Yeah, totally. And he was just playing his ass off, man. Just yeah. crazy, crazy shit. It, it's um, interesting because I I know exactly what you're saying because the to me the band of gypsy stuff, the pockets and everything are just so immense. And you're yeah. like, this is what Jimmy should be doing. But at the same token, there was something about the way that Mitch and oh, Noel amazing. played together that yeah. that that Billy and Mitch never did. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it not was to like, geek uh, out, but I mean that's just from listening to some so much of this this stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was like contained chaos. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly correct. Punk, punk blues. Punk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, Crazy how, stuff. How, well, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so how, how, what have you been up to? I know, like, I watch, I follow you on Instagram. So, you know, you, you, you make me smile at least once a day, uh, <laughs> whether it's your guitar, awesome, seriously, your awesome guitar playing or just going, Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, sir. It just kills me. I love it. I love it. But well, uh, thank you. Thank you. I have fun. You know, this is my little my little room in the house where uh-huh. you know when when COVID hit, um, I was already kind of pivoting to doing more online stuff for the Fishman folks. Sure. And and I would always go out to Colorado to do those videos for for Wildwood, and. Um, and then, of course, I would do touring with the band and so on. So, obviously, touring was off the table. So, yeah. we just started doing a bunch of live streams. And by crook or by nook, we just started adding to the tech. Now, because I'm not real I'm not real technically adept as far as gear is concerned. I've never sure. been like a home studio guy or anything. But right. uh, especially because thanks to Ryan Fitzsimmons from, um, yeah, Ryan from Fishman, he, he helped me get this whole place dialed in. So, I ended up doing, you know, Two live streams for Fishman a week, two live streams for um, Wildwood. They send me guitars. Mm-hmm. And then on the weekend, every other weekend, we do a thing with the band. And then I'm doing the podcast and stuff like that. So 
that's what I've been basically doing. We're starting to do a little bit more band stuff. I've been recording another record and whatnotery, and um, you know, just kind of dipping my foot in the water a little bit as far as getting out there. I kind of, you know, it's just so weird because you know some people weird. get some people get their tours in, and yeah. other people, you know, they go off for a few days. They're sorry, someone's sick. We're not, yep. you know what I mean? It's just yeah, no, it's. Yeah, I think the plan with Pink is uh, we've got a couple like one-offs this year. Uh, we're doing like we're doing the Bottle Rock Festival in, in Napa at the end of May, and then we're doing like Ohana Fest, uh, which is Eddie Vedder's uh, festival. Okay. Um, and we the we were thinking about touring this year, but I think um, because it's like you said, it's so like touch and go, touch and go. Right. Like. I think we're we're gonna wait and hopefully next year we'll we'll go back out and 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 do the damn thing. Yeah. But um yeah, because I mean, you know, it's like like we'll be the plan I think was to do stadiums. So like if if something happens with COVID and and you know, we have to cancel, man, there there's no insurance for right, that. Exactly. So you're talking serious, serious, serious like losses, you know, exactly. for a lot of people. So exactly. Um, but yeah, it's crazy, man. It's the, the whole COVID thing has in some ways been really, um, it's, well, it's been very challenging, but it's also in some ways been, um, created new avenues for, you know, people like us and, and, right. uh, and, and new ways of doing things. Um, thank God we have the internet, you know, thank God <laughs> like this didn't yeah. happen like in the early nineties, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But, but um, yeah, it's just a uh, it's a it's a bizarre thing that's going on right now. Totally. Well, let's talk a little bit about the pink thing because I, uh, you know, probably ten years ago now, I did a thing with Mark Schulman and Eva yes. over in, in Germany. Yeah, and yeah. So, so tell me about your your whole thing with pink when you got started and uh-huh. and all that stuff. Well, I started playing with her in two thousand six, um, okay. and I. Um, I, this, the Paul Murkovich, who's actually, he's the musical director on The Voice. Okay. He was um, her musical director. Um, it still is. But he, um, I did an audition for Rockstar, the television show. Do you remember that show? Yep. And um, basically they had, they had Hoffa, who, who's amazing. Um, but I think he was kind of being, um, it was a pretty binding contract they wanted the whole band to sign. And so he was on the fence about it. So, but they needed to lock somebody in. So they held auditions while he was, you know, thinking about it. Um, just in case he decided not to do it, they needed to have somebody. So I went, I went, I almost even didn't even go to the audition. Um, this guy in town, Barry Squire, I don't know if you know Barry, but he like, he calls guitar players, drummers, singers, this, that, and the other. And he puts bands together, you know, for major labor artists or television shows, what, whatever. So Barry called me and, He's like, hey, you know, I got this audition for this television show. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I, I've never done TV. And I was like, I don't know. It scared the shit out of me. I was like, I don't know, Barry. He goes, just get your ass down here. Okay. I was uh, like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> so I went and auditioned and, and Paul really liked me. And so, you know, he said, look, we're going to give off until, you know, um, later tonight to, you know, make his choice. And in the meantime, would you be okay with learning all these songs and being ready for tomorrow in case things go sideways? And I was like, of course. So I learned all the songs. They call me, I don't know, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, something like that. And they're like, Hey man, thanks for this. But he's decided to do the contract. I was like, all good, man. All good. No worries. Um, so cut to a year later, um, she was looking for a guitar player. And so Paul, I hadn't spoken to Paul in a year, but he remembered me. And so he called me to come audition. Um, And there was a bunch of people there. And, um, you know, when I walked in the room um, and, you know, shook her hand for the first time, it was just, it was, it was bizarre because like, I just felt a really deep connection with her, you know? And, and, and throughout over the years, we've become very close. We're really, you know, really good friends. And so, but it just, I don't know, some, it just felt right. And uh, anyway, so I just gotten this Les Paul from Gibson, and uh, it was a loner. And it was a great guitar, but it, 
like, I think, I don't know, the nut needed to be recut or something because it just wouldn't stay in tune for shit. Right. And so we started playing just like a pill, and it's just so horribly out of tune. I stopped the band. I'm like, hey, guys, give me a second. Let me, let me just fix this. I'm tuning it. I'm tuning it. It's taking me a minute. I could tell everybody is like kind of antsy in the room. She's sitting there and her managers and all these people. And it's, you know, I'm like, fuck, I can't get this thing to stay in tune. And then I just looked up at her and I said, you know what? They told me it was in tune when I bought it. And she just fucking lost her shit. <laughs> 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 and I think she, I was like, yep, you're hired. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, no, so we played and um, the audition went really well. And they, they kept me around. And then by, by the end of the audition, they were like, hey, look, um, if you're into it, we'll see you in a week. And we're, we got our first gig in Budapest. So um, and so I've been with her ever since. And yeah, that was what? 16, 15, 16 years ago now. Right. And, and, and you know, Pink obviously is a huge star here, but overseas, man, it's it's insane, Massive. right? Massive. Right. We, when I started playing with her, we went over the the first gig was in Budapest and, and it was um like the T-Mobile Festival or something like that. And it was like over a hundred thousand people. I, I you know, I, I never played a, a venue that that size, and I was just like, what the hell? This is insane. And then that was just a one-off. Then we came back and we had a U.S. tour all routed, but it was all clubs. Like oh, we no were playing, shit. Yeah, we were playing like 930 Club, House of Blues, the Fillmore uh, in San Francisco, like places like that. Like not, you know, not small, but not huge. And, and then and and then cut to like that was a whole summer thing. And then we but then we go to Europe and it's all arenas, all sold out arenas. And then we go to Australia, which is even more mind-blowing it's we you know we did that tour i think we did like 38 shows in five cities in australia all Jesus. sold out in all arenas and um yeah so it it took that tour and then the next tour was funhouse yeah the next tour was the first time we actually made it to arenas in the u.s so it took the u.s like even though she was you know, she had a lot of hit records by that point, and right. you know, but it just took America a minute to, you know, to to get her, I guess, you know, right. Um, you know, and she's been doing it for a long time. You know, she she got signed, I think, when she was like sixteen or seventeen. You know, so it's it took her, you know, a good almost almost a decade to get you know noticed by by America. You know, wild, yeah, but um. So that's yeah. obvi that's obviously really cool to have a gig for that long because that usually doesn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you go off for a couple tours and then you have to figure out the next thing next and thing. so on and so yeah. forth. And yeah, no, you know, it's it, it's a big family. Like we all we all love each other. Like we all have a really really good time. Um, they take care of us, um, and it's just you know it's 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 a cool thing because the experience is it's like we're not just the hired guys. Like we're, right. we're, we're part of this. We're part of the band. We actually, you know, have, you know, you know, if she wants to hear our opinions or, you know, it's like, you know, I asked her when I first started, I was like, you know, there's this solo on the record. Do you want me to play that? Or what do you, or can, can I, you know, veer off and do, she was like, you do you, I, I want you to be you. And that, and that was like, you know, sort of changed my pr perspective on on the whole thing a little bit because it was like, oh wait, I'm 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 free. I can I can yeah. express myself, you know, and and you know without you know hitting all over your music, but you know? right, 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 exactly. But, but um, and I think that's why like it it comes across the way it comes across when we when we play live, um, you know, because it's 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 just awesome, you know. We're all in it together, you know. Excellent. Yeah. And how are Mark and Eva doing? I haven't talked to them in a while. I haven't talked they're, to Mark in a while for sure. Yeah, they're great. Mark's got a whole um he's like a, this whole motivational speaking right. thing that he does, man, and it's it's amazing. Um so he's kicking ass with that. Um and Eva uh man, I haven't well, I saw Eva actually no, that's not true. I saw Eva about a week and a half ago. We did a we did a private gig for McDonald's at nine ah. o'clock in the morning. We were on stage for 12 minutes. <laughs> nice. It was amazing. Um, but yeah, Eva's doing great, man. She's, uh, you know, she's doing her art stuff. Her, her family um, have a, 
um, an English pub here in California called ah. Cat Fiddle. And it's been, you know, it's it's been around for, I don't know, 30, 35 years or whatever. So, like, you know, she runs that with her mom and her sisters and stuff. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Eva Crazy. Fever. Crazy. Eva Fever. Yeah. I remember they, they did something with you and they were telling me, um, like, I already, I, I already knew uh, about you. Um, I think like years ago, maybe like 20 years ago, I, I think I saw you playing at NAM. I was like, who the hell is this guy? And then I got your uh, instructional DVD. Uh, <laughs> you were showing some badass, dimi- I can't remember, but you were showing some badass, diminished, you know, wacky, fucking awesome lines. But, uh, um, I guess that. It was the, the Guitar Gristle DVD. Yes. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember Mark and Eva, they were just, they were just, you know, raving about you and just saying, you know, how, what a good guy you are and how fucking crazy funny you are. <laughs> <laughs> we had fun. Yeah, that's it. They said it was a good time. We had fun in old Deutschland. Yeah, you know, it's it's so weird without the NAM shows going. It's one of those things where like NAM and music mess and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. As as much as, you know, for a lot of people, you know, they they kind of, you know, bemoan the fact that, you know, they're long days and so on and so forth. But it, it is so great to be able to connect with people that under normal circumstances, you're like ships in the night. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and get into cool situations where you get to play together and, and you know you stay at some nice places and you're eating good food and yeah. you know and of course none of that's been happening. Of course, Music Mesa was already kind of on the decline prior to COVID. Yeah, uh, and now um, yeah, you know it's, it's it did, so hopefully that- they'll it'll morph into something that's meaningful like that again. You know what I mean? I think it will. I think it's just like you know we're crawling out of this um, pandemic, and it seems you know I, I, I've. I'm very hopeful, you know, that, that it's right. We're sort of, maybe it's in the rear view mirror a little bit, you know? Um, but you know, yeah, I think it'll all come back and, and with, with, you know, well, you know, it'll it'll be different, but hopefully it'll be, you know, just as you were saying before, like the thing with COVID has been challenging. And of course, for, you know, people who have gotten ill and lost their jobs, I mean, it's devastating. Uh, but for, you know, everyone's just had to kind of pivot and figure out what these other things, other these possibilities are in order to just keep on going. And in some cases that's been, um, a needed shot in the arm to some yeah. folks. And, yeah. and hopefully that'll be the same, uh, for how the business and I mean, I, for me personally, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, there were always those gigs that you felt you had to do, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? To, to keep yeah. your name out there. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and some of them were just like exhausting and, mm-hmm. and the money was kind of nebulous, but you thought, well, right. I got to do it. You know, I have to do these things. And all of a sudden you realize after a couple of years of being able to pay the bills, doing stuff online and, and you're like, no, I don't have to do those different things anymore. Why don't we hold out for the things that, you know, make Are sense to do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it was crazy because when the whole thing, when lockdown happened, I was very fortunate because um, we we had already filmed half of the season for The Voice because part like there's like several different rounds. There's the blinds, there's the knockouts or the battles and the knockouts. And those are all filmed. And then all that stuff airs. And then we go into live mode and all that's live. Okay. And so... Uh, we had already had all that stuff in the can. Um, and so it's, you know, it's three hours of primetime television for NBC. So they were like, we have to get this on the air. We like, it's a, it's a huge time slot and it's a big show for them. So um, they made it work. So remotely. So we were, I was in here and, and we were all just emailing files back and forth. And uh, like, it took us the first week to kind of figure out how the hell, like to right. organize it and who's going, you know, like we'd have to wait for the drums and then Paul, he would, you know, play at least a guide thing in there. Cause you know, we might, ch- we'll change the key or we'll change the arrangement or the endings or what this, that, the other thing. So, and that's kind of up to Paul. So, um, we would be kind of waiting around all day and then it was like, boom, got to get to it and get the stuff, you know, recorded and, and shipped out. But, um, it was kind of amazing for, a couple reasons for one, you know, I got, um, I've got a five-year-old and, uh, you know, at the time, which she was like three, four, whatever. And, um, and so 
you know, it was nice to be home because once we go live on The Voice, it's seven days a week, 14-hour days or really long Damn. days. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's fun, we, but we get our asses kicked, you know. Well, describe, if you would, like, what, what's a typical day? I mean, okay. is it like learning, you, you learn the tunes or is everything charted out, all that kind of stuff? So, yes. Uh, now, the first couple of seasons, we didn't have any charts, which was was really crazy because i was memorizing everything and and it was hard but um i think i have mental problems now from that (laughs) (laughs) i wear cowboy boots because i don't have shoes because i forgot how to tie my shoes it was like etching out childhood (laughs) memories but no so now we have people who do charts for us but um we still um i still have to listen to them because not every thing is charted out like not all it might be just like a chord chart or some are more detail oriented than other charts so like some might just be the chord symbols um and there's one guy who's who does he's a guitar player his charts are insanely awesome because he'll do all the he'll do all the parts he'll notate all the stuff and he'll even like if it's a weird tuning like an open tuning or this that He'll he'll even do like the chord diagrams of the voicings for oh for, cool yeah it's and it's and it's super helpful um, but yeah usually so like usually we'll get the songs um, it just depends sometimes we will get the night before um, and it's like hey we gotta learn fifteen songs in tonight and then and just you know we'll rehearse them in the morning and figure all the the stuff out with the contestants but typically when when we go live. So like we'll Monday nights the show, Tuesday's the results show. Tuesday night we start filming what we call reality, and it's where um, w- the coach is working with the contestant. So we'll ha- after the Tuesday night show we actually start learning songs on the spot. And sometimes we have charts, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we just gotta just listen to it and we figure it out, and then we'll we'll refine it as we go. Uh, it's kind of like let's just get through it. Let's figure out what key. Let's figure out what somewhat what the arrangement's going to be. Um, and then we, we usually do that with one or two coaches on Tuesday night, Wednesday, we do that, um, with whoever's left. Um, and then Thursday we, we have second rehearsals where it's just the band and contestants. Um, and we just, we refine all the, all the details, like stops this, that, or whatever changes they might want to make, or, you know, Oh, I want this to be rubato or now, or, you know, whatever it is. And then Fridays we go in and we record everything for the streaming stuff um, we used to call it itunes because it was just on itunes but the streaming thing started happening sort of half you know midway through the the lifespan of the the voice right but um so and they i think i don't know how they do the streams but the downloads used to count as votes as well so um so we will do like 12 or 15 songs you know overdubs and everything on on a friday Saturday and Sunday is camera blocking, and then it all starts over all again. Ah, wild. Yeah. So how many years have you been doing this now? I've been doing it since the first season, so uh, 11 years. Damn. Yeah, 11 years, yeah. I've missed a few seasons or parts of several seasons because Pink has gone out on the road. So when she goes, I'm gone, and I'll get – you probably know – do you know Dory Global? Well, that sounds familiar. Yeah, he um, he's a really good friend of mine. So he he fills in for me. Um, and do you know Dave Barry? He's, yeah, that, that some- he's he's from um, Minnesota. Okay, which is you know close, like close on your doorstep, that. right? <laughs> <laughs> somewhat, somewhat. But, uh, but yeah, so Dave, you know, another amazing um, insane guitar player. Uh, but so. So between me, Dory, and Dave, like if I have to go or if Dave has to go or something, we all kind of revolve and, and cover each other. Um, but yeah, so twenty, we're about to do season twenty-two in, in a few few months. <laughs> that is so wild. Yeah, that is awesome to be able to. Again, in this in this business, it's so hard to maintain things for long periods of time. So that's a that's a awesome scenario you've got there. Yeah, no, it's it's the the for me. I've been oh man, I'm so lucky, dude. It's insane because I get to go do stuff with Pink, but then I get to come back and do the voice. So so it's not like I'm scrambling to do this, you know, or looking, you know, for work. But for the past, you know, yeah, eleven years, it's been like just super solid, super busy, and and 
and, and a major like growing experience, like doing the voice, you know, TV is so different from the live stuff. Um, but just having the, the boot camp of having to learn so many songs so fast in so many right. different styles and just having to flip on the, you know, Oh, it's an R and B song. Now it's a rock song. Now it's a country song. Now it's whatever, you know? Right. So, uh, and, and then, and sonically too, like trying to figure out what sort of, you know, what, what makes this tick, you know, what's, what's so the, speaking of which, so what are, what are you using for gear? Has, has it morphed over the years using different things? How many guitars do you bring? Yeah. Um, I used to bring way more than I freaking needed. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I like the, the first season I had like two vaults of guitars. Cause you know, like, cause there was a lot of time, you know, I have stuff that's like tuned down a half step or not a whole step right. or drop D or sometimes drop C sharp or whatever, you know? So I had, and uh, you know, and some backups and stuff, but I had way more than I needed. And now I've kind of like, I, right now when uh, I'm doing the voice, I have just like a vault, which is, it's either 10 or 12 guitars, um, okay. you know, so it's like a couple acoustics and then, you know, a couple less Pauls, Tellys and Strats and that's, right. you know, and that's about it. Uh, and I've realized um, that I can actually do this gig with three, three of my guitars. Uh, I've got my, my Nash Telly, which is, is awesome. Okay. Uh, I've got my, my, this my uh it's a yes. 58 reissue um ronnie montrose yep Les Paul. Mm -hmm. it's an awesome guitar um and then i've got my my nash strat that i use um and between the three of those i can you know and and, and then i've got my you know a couple acoustics as well um but between between all those, it's like it's kind of all I need. And so, sometimes I've, these these days, maybe I've gotten lazy. I'm just like, oh, I'll just tune it down. I don't even feel like walking over there to grab a guitar. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah, so my my rig has sort of morphed. Um, after the first season, I was like, I you know, I was just using, I used Bogner amps, so mm -hmm. uh, I was just using my my Shiva, and I had a pedal board, you know, that just had all these pedals on it. Um, so I revamped the whole thing. I, I, I put everything in a rack. I've got a, like a switching system. Um, for the longest time I was using the, the ground control, but, mm -hmm. um, but now I've just actually just got the, 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 the mastermind GT, okay. uh, which is awesome. But so, yeah, so I basically, I don't know, maybe I'll flip it around and you can see, uh, move this. Oh yeah. That's what I got. That's my rig. So it's, it's essentially uh, all my pedals are in the drawers. Right. Um, and then I've got, I'm using a Friedman uh, BE100. Yep. And then I've got my Shiva. And then I, I got this, uh, this, I think it's like a 79 um, 50 watt Marshall GMP, which is. Yes. The shizzle. Yeah. It is the shizzle. It is, uh, it's my, probably my, one of my favorite amps. But, um, but yeah, so I had Dave Friedman. He built the rig for me, and he actually did a mod on 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 my BE one hundred. So the, on the clean channel, he gave me a lot more headroom. So it's like super super clean. So because the Shiva's got an awesome clean sound, but it's it's a little it breaks up a little bit more. Okay. So I wanted something that I could you know um, I could really color. You know, like I'll use like an OD three if I want a little bit more grit, or you know, a boost pedal, or this that the other thing, or just super clean reverb kind of stuff. But um, I was yeah, going to ask you that. So, so how often are you using the overdrive on the amps versus just a clean platform with pedals? You know, uh, on the voice, I'm using the overdrive pedals a lot more because um, it just gives me like um, it just kind of colors it. You know, I got you know several. Right. I've got the OD3. I've got the Schaefer replica. I've got a Tube Screamer, and I've got the that Chase Bliss. Um, uh, I forget what you call it. The Mark II, okay. the fuzz pedal, the automated thing. And the coolest thing about that is that the faders just do this shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's Ghost really why I got it. <laughs> right. But yeah, so so on the voice, I'm doing that a lot. Um, it seems to work really well. On pink, I mean, like um, a lot of the times uh, I'm using the amps distortion. I'm using my Shiva for like the big, you know, heavy kick-ass rock and roll stuff and, and all right. my, my lead stuff 
it's basically the the second channel on the Shiva and and like you know my my boss delay and that's that's kind of it. That's funny. You know? Cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun, man. Um, but when I did my my rig has changed little bits here and there through over the years, but it's basically basically the same as when Dave built it like 10, 10 years, 10, 11 years ago. And I designed it to basically be able to do the voice pink, whatever. Like if, if this rig shows up in a studio, I'm good. I could, you know, um, I don't, I don't have a need or want for, for anything, you know? Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So they come and they grab all that stuff from your house and they bring it to where it needs to be. Yeah. And yeah. You go, over there yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> well you know that's the thing so that's the downside to this rig it's i you know i can't you know i can't do i can't go do a club gig with it you know unless somebody's carting it for me it's not going to fit in my car right um but so in that kind of in that scenario i'll just bring you know i've got um a little tweed deluxe uh right. you know i'll bring something like that and a couple boss well, pedals go. And, and, you know, honestly, sometimes, like, I did a gig, I don't know, like, a couple years ago. It was, like, a friend's backyard, uh, kind of throw together. And I just brought the Tweed Deluxe. I brought my telly and a couple, uh, no, and just a boost pedal, and the AC exotic boost pedal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the greatest sounds I ever had. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a great little pedal, <laughs> yeah. no doubt. Yeah. But yeah, Sometimes simple does the trick, doggone it. Yeah. What what about what's your setup? Because you have your own your your own amps, right? I, I do, and and it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing for the um, you know I, the the name is obviously my same last name, but they've been a company for years. It's uh -huh. from the Netherlands. I always knew who they were, and you know, and I was doing Fender stuff for years and years and years, and I always used Fender amps, anyways, or Marshalls, mm -hmm. but mostly Fenders, you know, mm -hmm. and. Um, and I was somewhere in like Italy, some damn place doing something and, and they had a caulk amp there and I used it and I really liked it. Uh-huh. Uh, so fast forward a few years later, I was actually at Music Massa doing something for Fishman and right across from the Fishman booth was the caulk amplifier booth. And so this Dolph Cock comes over with his wife, Conchita, and they're like, hey, you know, we have your CDs, we're fans, yada, yada, yada. And I said, you know, I used one of your amps someplace and it sounded great and and we both joked, wouldn't it be fun if we started working with each other? You know, people would be all confused and such. <laughs> and uh, so he lent me an app to use for the uh, the show, and I loved it. You know, Larry Fishman's coming over. He's like, what the, what the hell is that amp? And I was like, these amps are killer, you know. It, it, uh, the clean sound is great because it gets it, it does a thing where you can get it to the edge of breaking up or just run it super clean, but the, the high end never gets real shardy and the low end doesn't right. fart out. You know what yeah, I mean? that's awesome. And, and the lead sounds great, and, the, and you got a, a lead channel, and then there's a like a lead boost, and there's volumes for uh, there's like a master volume for both channels. So you can oh, have like cool. a, lead, a lead volume and a rhythm volume for both channels. Right. So it was su super usable because usually, you know, you know how it is if you have a, a channel switching amp. Sometimes it's it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Right? Yeah. So um, I really dug it. So then we started talking about doing a a signature amp. So I kind of gave him a recipe. I said, like, look, I really like these two channels, but I'd like a way to just kind of, you know, make the clean channel uh, get a little more like a blackface or a tweed amp cranked uh. type of a thing. So they suggested this OTS circuit. So we did that. And then I like harmonic vibrato that's on the old brown face era amps. Uh, you know, it's almost yeah. like, almost yeah. like a univibe. Yeah. Uh, and so they were able to do that. And then I wanted like a three control reverb, like on a Viber King or like an old uh, reverb tank. Uh, and they were able to do that. So it's a it's a two-channel amp that has this uh -huh. OTS control, uh, harmonic vibrato, reverb, and so it's and it, I like tens, I like Vibroluxes. So yeah, it's a two two ten amp. So for the longest time, like just prior to COVID, I would just use that amp, guitar, chord, amp, done. Wow. Um awesome. and it sounded great, but but during the cove, and I'm doing all these live streams. I wanted to mess around with a few pedals. So I, I was bringing some pedals out and I I just didn't want to deal with the effects loop. You know, I didn't want to have to sure. deal with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I've had an overdrive pedal for years that my buddy Tim Yarning made for me. And he's the same guy that made the pedal for Jeff Coleman, you know, the bombastic yeah. pedal, you know. And um, so that pedal's called the Gristle King. It's a clean boost and an overdrive. Uh, and so Fishman actually started making those pedals for us. So yeah, I saw them like um, 
I saw one sitting somewhere when I was there in the, it, in the studio or whatever. I was like, it, and it sounds killer. So I, I can use that in front of the amp. So lately I've been kind of going between just using the clean channel on the amp and then using some, some pedals. You know, I don't like to have a bunch, but I do, you know, I, I you know, jam pedals from Greece. Have you ever messed around with those pedals? No. Oh, they, they make fantastic stuff. And it's, uh, they're all little tweaks on like vintage pedals. Awesome. But they, but they sound awesome and the artwork on them is is killer. And the people that run the company are fantastic. And I'll uh, check them out. So they made me this this multi-effect thing and it looks like a little tweet amp. But in that I've got uh, their Univibe which is called the Retrovibe which is killer. Uh-huh. Um their delay their analog delay is called the Delay Llama. <laughs> and, and it's it's really sounds you know it's one of those weird things where it's like you hit it, and I just like a little bit of slapback, but just turning it on, it just warms everything up. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a cool thing. And then they have this chorus pedal. I'm not a huge chorus pedal fan per se, uh, but it's a um, it, it sounds great as a regular chorus, uh-huh. but it also does this thing where you're, it does like this little detune thing. So you hit oh, this cool. little button, and it kind of goes, yeah, yeah, right. You know? And so I dig that, and it's got a cool fuzz on it and a compressor. I don't really use a compressor all that much. Every now and again in the studio, I might sure. put it on. But uh, anyway, so that's that's all on there. So I've got my Gristle King. I've got that multi-thing. I've got my Boss DD3, which I've used since like 1986 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and then I really like a, um, a Leslie simulator. My favorite is the uh, Neo Instruments ventilator. So I, okay. I, use that. I use that at the end of the chain. Uh, yeah, I, I was actually going to ask you about that because I saw you do, I think it was, I, I was doing one of the, my YouTube dives and then I saw you doing some clinic somewhere and you were, you were, man, you were killing it with, you're playing just by yourself. You're doing some kind of like, um, it was like a blues, but you, you're, you're playing all these badass voicings and it sounded, it sounded like an organ. Ah, like, thank you, sir. Yeah. I mean, it was like really sounded, I was like, fuck man, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah, it's this company from Germany. So it's uh, the company's called Neo N E O, all caps, and then uh-huh. it's the ventilator. The ventilator, and, and they have like a ventilator two now, which is just a well. There's the mini vent. That's what most people get because the mini vent's just kind of a, a square, smaller square. It's uh-huh. got an on off, and then it's got a, a preset for fast and slow. Awesome. And then the larger one, you can control, you know, like the mic on the lower and the top of the Leslie yeah, right. type of yeah, a thing, yeah. you know, and then gain and and mix and all that other kind of stuff. But um, the original one was in this gray box. And for whatever reason, I, I like the new ones. They sound great. But the, the gray one that was the original one, it's it's um, it's a little foggier around the edges. It, it's oh, not okay. quite as sharp. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that quite dialed it in. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, so... Beta yeah, form. Yes, and I dig it. So I, you know, it's fun to have, you know. And then I stopped using it for a while because I, you know, my band is an organ trio. So yeah, when you, when you got the real thing next to you, you're like, well, I guess I don't need to use that anymore. But actually, <laughs> it's it's been really cool to use it again. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of having fun with the pedal board again. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. You know, yeah, you do- I, it was wild when I saw you do. I, I I should pull it up and send you a link and you maybe remember. But man, like I was just kind of blown away with your, you know, your, your chord vocabulary. And just, I mean, it was all just super melodic and badass and it, like, but where, where did you get a lot of that stuff from? Well, well, thank you. Uh, a lot of it is from, um, you know, it's weird. I, I, where I get stuff from, it's like this little thing I got from some rando gospel guy. I, I heard years ago sure. who walked sure. into the music store and did a couple of voicings. I said, I'm going to use that, but in a different way. <laughs> uh, and then some of them are like Jerry Reed or Chet Atkins isms uh-huh. that uh, yeah, yep. just kind of, because you know, Jer- Jerry Reed's amazing uh, p- playing was like a, it was like a gospel piano player. Yeah. You know what totally. I mean? Totally. 100%. Yeah. And so a lot of that is, is what it is. And then, um, you know, Robin Ford was a huge influence as far as chords are concerned. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, yeah, that's, that's good. You know, I just listened to a lot of old blues stuff and, 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 um, and, and jazz stuff, but I, my, my biggest preoccupation when I'm doing, you know, like a couple of different little chordal things out, you know, they're, they're Joe pass things. Yeah. But I never really want, I'm always very hypersensitive and this is not a, 
this is not to denigrate jazz performers by any stretch because I I love them and I understand the the massive commitment it is to be a bona fide jazz guitar player that can sure. take any standard and you know mangle it every which way from Tuesday. Yeah. But <laughs> to me, there there's a certain once you kind of go over the cliff, uh-huh. it sounds like okay, that's that's jazz boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, right. It's, so it's been yeah. tiptoeing around like, okay, this is cool. This is cool. Let's throw it in the funky soup and see if it works. You know yeah. what I mean? Right, 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 right. So it's just kind of a, a hybrid of all these different stuff. And I got to, I got to be honest, the, uh, when I started doing the videos for, um, Wildwood, that, uh-huh. that really kind of, um, forced my hand as far as, trying to amalgamate all the things I do to sounding decent by just me sitting in a chair by myself. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, uh, and that started when I do, when I started to do the fender clinics around that period of time too, I started to do them without tracks. Cause I thought, you know, I, I can't do the guitar thing anymore. I mean, I can't, yeah. I, I still do it. It's still fun to yank out sure. a couple of the tunes. Totally. But when you could sit by yourself and, and make music and just respond in real time to, you know, whatever, you know well, what I mean? It's so much more organic and it's just, you know, and you're not, you're also not handcuffed to the track, you know? Like, exactly. It's it's like you can improvise and, and you know. And plus, we've all been in situations when the tracks decide not to work yeah. or, the ba- or the balance is completely befuddled yeah. and you're just sitting there going, oh, oh for the love. <laughs> <laughs> you blew it. That's right. <laughs> it's not a good luck. We interrupt this regularly scheduled gristle-infested conversation to give a special shout-out to our friends at Fishman Transducers, makers of the Greg Koch Signature Fluence Gristle Tone Pickup Set. Can you dig that? And our friends at Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, bringing the heat in the shadow of the Rocky Mountains. <clears throat> I remember back in the day, you know, when you know, before phones had music on it, um, <laughs> I'd have to have like three of those CDs along. And you know what I mean? You mm-hmm. go to do your clinic and, oh, or I forgot my CD at the place last night. Oh, or I scratched yes. it. Yeah, you, know, you scratched it. And, oh, my God. So now it's just so nice that even if we decide to do it, I got them all. I got yeah. them all on that damn phone. It's Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I do, you know, because we do a lot of the, the together stuff. Yeah, which um, is fantastic. Your things are awesome, by the way. I was like, oh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. Like, I love what you guys do, it, like, you know, because you guys have the whole band set up, and it's just, like, at some point I'd like to be able to do something like that, but right now I'm just, you know, I just don't, I don't have this, the, the, the capabilities, I guess, you I, know. I understand. But, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so, like, that's... I guess that's a for the drums. Do you guys mic up all the drums, or is it just yeah, all like the drums a room are mic'd mic? up? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? It started out when we first started doing stuff from the house. I was literally just using a laptop, and Ryan had sent me this mic, this okay. uh, uh, Audio Technica, you know, USB mic that we use for everything. You know, we, uh-huh. you know, he'd call and, we, and we'd kind of put it in the magic space, and it was just my son on drums and me playing. And he's like, "Hey, that sounds pretty good." So we started to do that. And then my son is like, you know, he was going to move up to Minneapolis and uh-huh. he plays in my band, but he was playing with a bunch of people up in Minneapolis and he had this house gig up there. And then COVID came. Needless to say, all that stuff was off the table. So yeah. he's like, dad, I'm going to buy some stuff so I can do tracks and, and whatnot. So he ended up buying a nice Mac and then he bought a bunch of mics and he bought a Focusrite, you know, interface that he could mm-hmm. do his stuff with. So then we started to do the live streams where we were going through the focus right into logic on the um, on the computes, and then <laughs> when we went as 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 kind of you know it got to the point where we could invite Toby or somebody else over to the house to do trio stuff, then we needed to expand a little bit. And a buddy of mine who um, I'd known for years on end is a a bigwig at Tascam. Mm-hmm. And he's like, man, we'd love you know you're doing all those live streams. We'd love to be involved in some way. And my son, who's a lot more gear oriented than i am as far as recording stuff is concerned he's like you should get one of those model 24s we'll use that as the interface and so we got the Tascam, uh-huh and so we were able to put so that's what everything's going through now okay so the drums when the organs here every organ or the bass player or me all my stuff's going through the model 24 as an interface uh going into logic on the computer 
Right. It goes through loop back into OBS where we marry the audio and the vis. Right, right. And, right. and then we use Restream to blast it out everywhere. And then actually the Model 24 is what I listen to as my monitor mix. Okay. So that's got all the preamps and stuff in it um, for you guys, I guess. The, the, I'm not familiar with the Model 24. Well, Model 24 is like a, it's an all, actually it's an all encompassing, you can record on there as well. You can just use it uh-huh. as a recording desk. Right. Uh, but you can also use it as an interface. Oh, and, and unfortunately, I'm the only one who can hear uh, the vocals and stuff. So uh-huh. we would have to get a more, you know, if we start to get a little bit more adventurous, we'll need to get some kind of, you know, monitoring system. From, so the guys just hear everything. Or, But I do have a little PA here in the room. So you can hear the vocals and we can just hear our stage vo- it's it's because like, It's like... Wow. Um, Whenever I watch you guys, it's like you know, it's it's even it, even if it's the streaming thing. It's 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 like you're in a club, you know. It's like you're you know, you're just in your house jamming, man. It's yeah, awesome. it's it's been a blast, you know. And um, you know, even when we've been, I mean, earlier on in, in in COVID, when we would just kind of turn the camera, we'd advertise it a little bit, and we'd put the tip jar up on the on the screen. It's like we were making you know decent club money i mean yeah. what we would be making at clubs and it's it's fallen off a little bit in that regard because yeah. there's so many people doing other stuff now but it, mm-hmm. it's still you know it's still club money you know what i mean That's amazing it's amazing and, you know, you're playing for an hour in your own house and it's yeah. fun you get to do whatever you want to do and away you go so it's it's been fun but you know it'll be again as, as things open up a little bit more i think you know people's ability to although i have to say it's a great way for people that live all over the world to see see you play you yeah. know what i mean yeah totally and uh and the, but what's great is that we finally do get out and people experience it live they're like boy you know live it's completely different isn't it like well that's yeah that's how it's, it is yeah it's just yeah it's a totally different thing man i remember once we went back from uh you know we did that whole remote season right and then when we went back then shortly after we went back in um, and they were able to get us into the studio, but we had no audience. So that, that was really weird, you know, having no audience. So it was like, it always felt like a rehearsal. We'd be doing the live show and it's live to television, but it just felt like uh, a rehearsal. And then I remember when they finally brought, started bringing the audience in and it was like, Whoa, what's this? This right, like you know, get your adrenaline going. Right, This this feels good. (laughs) Right. It's, it's bizarro, isn't it? I mean, when, yeah, it being in front of humans that adds this, you know, this, uh, I always like to call it the congregational effect. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you get all those people reacting in symbiosis to the music and that's where the magic happens by God. <laughs> Let me ask you this. So when you're, when you're on the show and you know, you, you have the, you know, the judges, the big time judges and stuff like that, uh-huh. are, are you able to interact with them or is it kind of oh, yeah. like, no, they do their thing and, or is it all just kind of open and cool? It's super open, super cool. I mean, we work with them pretty closely, um, like in those rehearsals. You know, uh, if you know Blake, he's working with an artist, and he, you know, he might he might go, "Hey, Justin, can you you know can you play more of like a Jerry Reed thing, or you know, or you know, you know, or I want you to do more of a chicken picking thing on on this, and and uh, and then he'll tell Nate, the drummer, or Paul, whatever." Um, you know, what he's thinking in his mind. Um, but we do that. And then we, we, we perform with them as well. Like either their songs or if it's a duet cover song, whatever, whatever. So like, um, they're all super cool people. Um, super easy to talk to. Um, you know, especially Blake. I mean, he's just, he's a trip, man. I mean, we'll just sit there and shoot the shit and, and, uh, he's funny as hell, man. And he's huge. He's like, He's like a giant. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um yeah. But it's it, it's uh no, it's it's really fun, man. Um it the, the the whole environment's pretty pretty awesome. And everybody's working their ass off, so it's like, you know, it's like let's just we're in this together. Let's just have fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Les Paul. Is that kind of like your your favorite acts as a Les Paul? And if so, what what kind of different ones have you had over the years? I mean, you showed the 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 collector's choice Ronnie Montrose. I, I have one of the Greg Martin ones, and I loved it. And I kicked myself in the butt for not buying that or for for selling it at one You're point. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's yeah. They are they are my favorite. I mean, I grew up when I started playing. My, my first guitar. 
I had was a Series 10, and it was like a Tele style. Okay. Um, you know, it was like $100, and electric guitar. And it had like um, pineapples and palm trees and like all sorts of weird shit on, on it. <laughs> it was all I could afford. And, um, you know, and it, it was like awesome. So I, I had that for a while, and then I, and then I got a Strat. Um, and I never was able to get a, uh, a Paul cause it, it could, I just couldn't afford them. And then I didn't really get into Gibson's until, um, I don't know, maybe I was like 19 or 20, you know, uh, my friend had one and I started using his and I just fell in love with it. Cause you know, uh, um, just cause I was used to the single coils, which are awesome. And I hadn't, I haven't had messed with the humbuckers you know, a whole lot. And it was just a whole, whole new world for me. Um, but yeah, Les Pauls and Tellys, I think are my, my, my go-tos. Like I love strats, but the, the Telly, I love Tellys and I love right. Pauls, you know, um, but simple. They're three sounds and they're all great. It's exactly. And, you know, occasionally, you know, like I'm, I'm not like a huge whammy bar dude, which I, I you know, I, I love it, but, but, you know, occasionally, I, you know, if I need that, I'll pick up a strat and it's, it's all good. But, exactly. But yeah, as far as guitars, like I have the first guitar Gibson hooked me up with when I started playing with Pink. Um, it's one of my favorite guitars. Uh, it's just uh, Gibson USA 2006, nothing special, but it's just got a vibe. Right. Um, and that guitar is awesome. The headstock's broken on it three times. Oh, Jesus. And <laughs> I've had it fixed three times. And I still am using it. So, like the last time it broke, I thought, "Oh, fuck, man, I'm gonna have to retire this thing. It's it's probably done. It's done, you know." And uh, it keeps coming back, man. It keeps being resurrected. So I'm Excellent. using it until I can't. <laughs> but so yeah, you know that the Montrose. There's, that's kind of a funny story. Like uh, my, my my buddy Dory called me up. Uh, I was getting ready to do a live show um, with the with the voice. And Dory calls me up. He goes, man, I just played the most insane Les Paul. You have to have it. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, dude. He's like, this, this guitar is insane. You have to get it. I was like, I'm, I'm about ready to do a, a live show. I can't. He's like, just send somebody down there. Buy it. If you don't like it, it's a guitar center. He's like, you can turn it in 30 days, right? It's like, all right, screw it. I'm going to buy it, right? So I bought it. The guitar shows up. I was like, dude. I mean, I used it for the entire night. Like I just awesome. got the guitar. I used, I used it pretty much the entire show. But the thing I like about the Montrose is that it's, it's super bright, you know, it's not right. too woofy and it's, you know, it's, um, and it's super woody and it's just, you know, and it plays yeah. great. So, you know, but over the years I've kind of gotten more into like, like that and like, you know, the R nines and things like that. Right. Um, I, I love it. Yeah, I love them, man. I got to play a real 59 at Rudy's years ago, and it was just insane. Yeah. But I was like, I don't have $275,000 for a guitar. Right. And and that's for a cheap one. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how bright those guitars are, especially the old ones. You know, you're. Yeah. yeah. I always say they sound like meaty sounding Telecasters, because they do. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that's that's what I think. to me, like when you find a really great Les Paul, that's what it should sound like, you know. It's exactly, exactly correct. Like a pissed off Telecaster. That's right. That won't <laughs> buzz. Of course, with my glorious pickups, they don't have to buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Man, those pickups blew my mind when Larry was showing me the way that they're made, and like they're not wet. They're not. I guess they're not wound, right? They're they're like those little those stacked circuit the, boards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's freaking insane. Yeah, um, but the pickups are, are incredible. I, I only got the humbuckers, but I wanted to get the um, um, the I wanted to actually get your P90s because because um, I like well obviously when you play they sound amazing, but like I heard like a lot of people are raving about your the P90s. Um, awesome. Well, that's yeah. good to hear. Dog on it. Yeah. <laughs> Fooled them again. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's, 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 I love the nineties, but they just are so noisy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, you know, and it's just like, it's in, almost impossible. Right. You know, and every, and every attempt to diminish the noise has never been very toneful in the past. And yeah, sound good. Doggone it. 
Yeah. That's I, the, the, the thing I always said about the what, what got me to – because, you know, with pickups, it's one of those things where I was never one of these guys that – would try like a million different pickup sets on a guitar. If I got a guitar and I liked it, I was like, we're done. You know, That's it. I'm the same way. Same exact way. And so what got me about the, the Fishman stuff is that was like, well, yeah, in a perfect world, I would like X, Y, and Z. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then when I realized that, you know, this was not like, they're noiseless and they sound pretty good. It was like, no, they sound fucking amazing and yeah. they're noiseless. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. That's what, that's what got me. You know what I mean? Winning. <laughs> Winning! <laughs> Exactly. For the kids. Yeah. But the, well, the, kind of- the cool thing on the humbuckers, the, the fluence ones, like for me, that that's cool is the coil. I guess it, I, they were saying it's not really a coil tap, but the single coil sound. It sounds great. Awesome. It's yeah. really normally I'm always bummed with the coil tap pickups like they just don't they sound like a shitty single coil. Right. But. These don't. And and the other thing that I like was the different voices. You right. know, it's just kind of like a little different of a e- different EQ sort of thing. And just, right. you know, it's different character. meat. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then you don't lose any highs when you turn down the volume. That's what I love. Yeah. You, you still just, you, the highs remain. Yeah. Yeah. It's and crazy. That's never a bad thing to have your high remain. What? No. That's, that's inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, my friend, it's been so much fun talking. Thanks for taking some time for us to to chew the damn gristle. Man, Greg, thank you, man. I've been looking forward to this, and I, I just appreciate you a lot, man. I'm so glad you did it. Hopefully one of these days we'll get to do a little playing and hanging. One, one, oh, that'd be so, awesome. When the pestilence officially subsides. <laughs> the pestilence. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, great talking with you. Please say hello to, to Mark and Eva if you see them in the near future. Tell them I'd say hey, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon, my friend. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Greg. Take right, it easy, brother. Up. All right. We'll you too, man. See ya. Thanks so much for tuning in to Chewing the Gristle. We certainly do appreciate it. On behalf of Wildwood Guitars of Louisville, Colorado, and our friends at Fishman Transducers, we say, don't be a stranger now. Keep on coming back. We're going to keep on giving her.